I'm Paul Moore here with Herman Even. Hey, Paul. And you're listening to Great Relationships. Herman, I've had to wait a week for this conversation on control, friend or foe. And I've just been on the edge of my seat. But bless God, everyone else can go to the website, you know, greatrelationships.com, grenumeratelationships.com, and listen to it all as if it were one conversation. You had stated before that there are two barriers to freedom. That's right. Obligation and acceptance. We haven't talked much about the acceptance. We're going to talk about that today. But before we say anything further, let's just go to the Lord in prayer to see how God can direct our words and hopefully direct uh, our ears to hear this God's way. Yes, please. Lord, thank you so much for the wonderful freedom that you provide. And again, you are the example that we are to follow. We aren't to be controlling each other. We're to be following the freedom that you have provided to us. And I pray that we really understand how obligation and acceptance drive us away from freedom. In your precious name, amen. Positive dog training. Hi, I have a dog that's not very obedient. Do you offer corrective training? Yes, ma'am. We use positive reinforcement to correct your dog. Does your dog have a specific problem you want to address? Well, this is going to sound odd, but when I'm talking on the phone, my dog Harper, she rolls her eyes if she doesn't agree with what I'm saying. Dogs are smart, but they have a very limited understanding of human speech. Well, what about this? When my dog plays chess, she won't sit still for a whole game. Your dog plays chess? That's the smartest thing I've ever heard of. She's not that smart. She lost three of the last five games we've played. By the way, I have a husband that's not very obedient either. Could I get a discount if you trained both? You could save your money and your energy if you used the example of Jesus. He allows freedom and accepts you even when you're not obedient. Before the prayer and the drama, obligation is a choice? Obligation is always not a choice. (laughs) In fact, what we do think is when I am obligated to do something, I'm choosing to do that. No, you aren't. (laughs) Just just get this picture in your mind. Get a picture of a, a Y in the road and you come to the Y in the road. Obligation is saying what? You have to take this This direction, you cannot even consider that other direction. Understand that the why in the road, the obligation makes you remove choice out of your life. If a person says that I was so sick and tired of them that I left them, that's a form of control or a form of obligation. There's no choice there. A choice is I can do this as well as do that. I can take the Y to the right or I can take the Y to the left. I can do either one of them equally. That's choice. Obligation shuts off one of those choices, one of those options, and makes you think you only have this one direction that you can go. So obligation is not choice. Choice is truly, I can do this or I can do that. Also, last time you talked a lot about fear right? False expectations appearing real? Or is that what's propelling me into this? Is that why this obligation takes energy, my freedom away? Yes. When we are flashing our me, we're flashing it because we fear something is going to happen to my detriment. Therefore, I need to get in there and control. Forgetting about the fact that God is truly in control and I can trust him, we take these imaginary fears, which are in the future, and make them mean that if this behavior doesn't change today, it's going to create a problem for tomorrow. 
And that may be true, but you can't know that because it's future. It's a future event. It's not now. And therefore, we need to be considering, I need to focus on now. Those are the three steps that we talked about last time that allows a person to remove control out of their life more. Well, I had to learn a little saying that you had me doing all the time. I can't know that. I can't know that because I make all these assumptions in the future. And these assumptions are driving my Mm -hmm. behavior. Let's make certain that we bring a verse back to our minds that is so critical to understand why freedom is so important. Galatians 5.1, let me read it to you. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. The Lord died to set us free. He is basically saying that it's for freedom that I set you free, Herman. Why are you going back into this concept of control? I want you to be free to follow me. I don't want you to be controlling other people, and I don't want you to be trying to control your own life. I want my spirit to be controlling you. I want freedom for you. And thank you for this verse. But it's difficult for me to understand because I was raised, I was groomed, I was reared to value control. And now you're showing me that Christ is saying, no, I don't value control. I value freedom. I value, he's basically saying to us, I value you obeying me, but you have the freedom to disobey me. That's really what he's saying to us. I value you obeying me. The constant message in the Old Testament, if you just go read, is you didn't obey me. You were following your own way. And that's what typically drives us into control. We have this sense that everybody needs to be doing life our way. And we know what's best, and therefore we get into this form of trying to control. And that is just not going to help us. It's going to drive relationships in exactly the opposite direction, in the wrong direction. And that's where you gave me those three steps to be able to put freedom back into my life. Freedom back into your life. That's right. So can I have an example then? From the viewpoint of how we do control, well, there's, we all have so so many examples from that. Well, viewpoint. we beat that horse almost to a pulp that I'm in denial that I'm even controlling and yeah. I'm not trusting and all that stuff. But how can I know? How can I know? How can you I'm know free? if you're free? Yes. Well, you can. Or know. not free. How's that? Well, it's it's more difficult to know that you're not free <laughs> because we are so adept at not believing that we're controlling. That's the reason why, as we said in the previous program, you really need to understand control before you can start understanding freedom. That's how I see it. We don't believe that we're controlling. And therefore, the the issues for us is control is the thing that we are not living in reality about. And when we get there, we we uh, make freedom go in the wrong direction. We don't even understand freedom. Anymore. Well, no, I remember asking you, was it a chicken or the egg kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And it's not. We, we need to just put the control on pause mm-hmm. and get freedom. If you want to see obligation turn into choice, it's very easy to use the little tool that Robert Fritz uses, primary and secondary choices. Remember we talked about the Olympic athlete? What do they want? The gold medal. The gold medal. What do they do in order to get the gold medal? Massive amounts of exercise, change in routine and everything else. That's right. Do they want to just do that running if they're a marathon person? Do they just want to do that exercise? No. They want the gold medal. Therefore, they put up with all that other stuff in order to get to the gold medal. 
that's a great way for you to turn an obligation into a want. It supports a want. For instance, you might be sitting there going, I really can't stand the fact that I'm having to limit my intake of calories. I can't stand that. But do I want less weight and greater health? Yes, I do. Okay, well, that works for an Olympic athlete. But if I'm wanting really good relationships, it sets up a dangerous precedent. I can become a people pleaser overnight in trying to follow this example. You can do that, which moves us into the second barrier for freedom, which is all about acceptance or behavior. We miss the fact that we end up creating this role in our life of mixing up behavior with acceptance. And that creates a big problem for us. When we start looking at people from the viewpoint of saying, I'm not going to accept you because of your behavior, we have missed how acceptance and behavior work together. We've missed and turned freedom into some form of obligation almost again at that point in time. So we end up creating a big problem for life We limit the freedom of other people because now we're tying their acceptance into their behavior, and that just is wrong. We do that all the time, and I didn't even realize it till you mentioned it. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. In the meantime, find us and like us on Facebook, Great Relationships. That's GR Numerate Relationships. Great thoughts for great relationships. Knowing and practicing this definition of love is the key to all good relationships. Love is seeking the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. You know how you're always praying for a sign from God? That you're meant to go to seminary? This is your sign, seriously. I'm here to tell you about Grace, Grace School of Theology. It's free grace based. The professors are world class. It's accredited, accessible, attainable, and oh yes, it's affordable. You can even complete your entire degree online, which means you don't have to move. Wouldn't it be great to have a deeper knowledge of the Word of God? Write this down www.gsot.edu gsot.edu or call 877-476-8674 877-476-8674 Now get going! Now! back great relationships gr numeral eight relationships.com the website find us and like us on facebook at great relationships or give us a yell at 800-819-4293 herman before the break we were talking about the two barriers to freedom and they were obligation and acceptance okay now in obligation right that's where i change a i get two into a have to well, actually, what, what happens with an obligation, you're taking a want to and turning it into a have to. That's what happens. I mean, most people end up 
stating their marriage vows willingly, right? <laughs> you know, I, I will. I will take this uh, person to be my spouse. At some point, the behavior of the other person is not acceptable to them, and therefore they end up turning that into, well, I've got to stay married. What an energizer, what de-energizer that does to me. Uh, I've just got to stay there. So you take a want to and turn it into a have to. That's obligation. Now, this other big barrier it sounds kind of strange to say that acceptance is a barrier. Well, it's really not acceptance. It's the fact that you have taken acceptance and linked it to behavior. Now, there is a tool that we use. We use this tool called a truth table. And a truth table is a great way for you to see how two things are not linked together. And that's what happens when we link somebody's behavior into accepting them. Now, here's, here's something I want you to consider. Who are you trying to please? Uh, if you are trying to get somebody to accept you, what does that do to your actions? Those are the type of things that we miss because if I'm trying to get somebody to accept me, who actually is in control of me at that point in time? They are. They are. That's exactly right. And I, I love these two little simple statements. They're a little bit long. If you seek your praise, acceptance, and pleasure from man, you're likely to be controlled by and follow man. If you seek your praise, acceptance, and pleasure from God, you are likely to be controlled by and follow God. Now, if I'm putting my emotions into doing what God wants me to do, then I'm actually more likely to obey him and do what he wants me to do, as opposed to if I'm trying to please the friends around me, I'm more likely to do what they want me to do. That is very important for us to understand that we have linked this idea of acceptance in the wrong way. And I need to consider what really is acceptance, just like we talked about with obligation. What, what's going on here? Well, this is kind of scary because as you're saying this, I'm thinking of that thing you always say, where you look, you tend to go. That's right. So who's my who said so? Where is my significance coming from? And that's going to drive us into this idea of acceptance. Herman, I never even considered that that was there, that these were barriers to freedom. When we end up looking at and wanting to be accepted by other people, that enslaves us. That causes us to be controlled. And when we are basically looking at other people and saying, if you don't behave in a certain way, I'm not going to accept you, that means you're trying to control them. So it sounds like I got a spaghetti bowl full of control. Mm -hmm. we, uh, again, I'm controlling them. They're trying to control me. It's Again, the issue for us to consider here is control is not limited to a few control freaks like me. Everybody controls. Everybody does this for some form and reason in their life. We all will control in order to make our life more aligned with what I want. That's the reason why we talk about control causes the flashing me. Control is another way that the judgments show up in our lives. So acceptance is one of those things that typically enslaves us. Uh, and typically can enslave the people around us when we're de desiring that their behavior fit my acceptance. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So acceptance works like control does. Acceptance will drive us to control if we're thinking about acceptance incorrectly. Here's the way we really need to be thinking about acceptance. Does God accept me 100 percent 
as I trust in the blood of Jesus Christ? Yes. I am his child, right? I meet his standard, and I am totally accepted. One standard for all, faith alone and Christ alone. That's the standard. Then it's unconditional after that, right? Mm -hmm. There's one standard, and that's through Christ, and I therefore am accepted into the body of Christ. After that, it's unconditional. I am his child no matter what I do. Now, there are some theologies out there that might be different from what I'm saying here, but that's, that's what we are basically saying here. Romans 11:29 is a very good verse to talk about the fact that it's unconditional. It says, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And now that I'm his child, it's unconditional. I will always be his child. He is allowing me the freedom to act like not his child, but I still am his child. That's very important for us to consider here. So how does acceptance then drive this control factor? We need to be accepting others in the same way that God accepts us unconditionally. Mm. It has nothing to do with our behavior. And what we do is we look at other people and we end up trying to control them in order to verify that it's okay that I accept them. That's how that typically works. We're trying to get their, get them to basically behave in a certain way in order for me to approve of them or accept them because approval and acceptance are synonyms the way that we typically think about that. What happens when we look at somebody and say, I will accept you if you behave in a certain way, we have misused the way that God accepts us. He approves us of us based on one standard and one standard alone, and it no longer is dependent upon our behavior. So if you put two words, acceptance or accept and behave, if you put two words and looked at those two words, is it possible I can accept somebody when they're behaving correctly? Yes, I can do that. I can put a plus by each one of those. Okay, if I, I may not accept them when they don't behave, that'd be a minus beside each, each one of those words. Well, that's what we call 50% of reality, because that means that I believe very strongly that I only accept people that behave according to the standard that I've set. But here's the other two options that we're missing. I can accept somebody even if they don't behave. That's how God does it with me. I'm his child. He accepts me even if I'm not behaving correctly. You're using the truth table to show me that these two things that I keep in joining together are, are, actually, not, are connected. actually not not connected. That's right. In order to really understand this, instead of for me trying to paint some word pictures, go to the website, greatrelationships.com, gr 8 relationships.com and look for this particular chapter, chapter eight in the, in the second section. And you'll see when you download the study guide, this truth table, what we're talking about here, very important for you to see this truth table because it will outline the four options that are possible for acceptance and behavior. And what I really want you to see, you're only believing 50% of reality. You're missing out on a total other 50% of reality. That is, I can accept somebody even if they don't behave. That is a clear way that we end up trying to control people and their behavior instead of just going, I'm going to accept them where they are. Okay. Can you help me with this? Because you said it just a moment ago, but I want to restate it. I've got acceptance 
and behavior, and I've often heard it as acceptance and approval. Right. And these are the two things that we're just joining. You're using the word behavior because it's specific to say the behavior has nothing to do with acceptance. Right. And and I, I don't mind, seriously mind with acceptance and approval, but the problem is acceptance and approval are more synonyms. I want to drive it to the behavior. I'm accepting you or rejecting you based on your behavior. And that's what God is specifically saying will end up driving your life in the wrong direction. That's what's going to cause you to try to control. You've missed how acceptance works. Acceptance is uh, is unconditional. That's how we want to be thinking about that. Okay, so those are those two things that I've got to get, acceptance and behavior. That's at the website, Chapter 8. It's really worth taking a look at. And I can only think of this. You gave us the scripture, you know, Galatians 5, 1, for freedom we're set free. And the other thing I can think of in the face of all these things I believe that is not true and the lack of knowledge that I have for the things that are is Hosea 4, 6, that my people perish for the lack of knowledge. We'll be back right after this. Great thoughts for great relationships. If you have to have it your way, you probably are ignoring freedom, grace, love, and to a large extent, the other person. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great. And not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R numeral 8 relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. And we're back. Glad that you're joining us. Greatrelationships.com. That's GR numeral eight relationships.com. I keep pushing the website because everything we're talking about is there. You can listen to the broadcast again. You've got the videos that can go deeper into the concepts that Herman's discussing. We've even got a study guide. Just a wealth of stuff for you and to share with those you love. Which takes me back to where we were before the break. Herman, you gave me a tool. You called it the truth table. And I can use this to separate two things that I inappropriately try to put together. And the example you were giving me was acceptance and behavior. The fact that I tend to say that someone's behavior is conditional on my acceptance of them. That's right. We will end up being controlled by that. Their behavior actually ends up controlling us, and we keep trying to control them back to get their behavior different. That's a simple way for you to understand what was going on between Louie and I. This is what drove me to be such a control freak. 
when you watch our video online, the majority of people will see that video and they'll think, yeah, that Louis, she was really bad. But they won't think of me as being bad. Unfortunately, they don't get to see all the background stuff of this type of actions that were going on and me trying to control her and constantly making her behavior the key of whether I was going to accept her and love her. What an awful way to deal with another person in life. Oh, yeah. Can we never think about that? We never think what is your part. We're kind of almost judging her who she did bad. Yeah. And nobody has a tendency to see the invisible control that was represented in very visible control, which makes me a strong culprit to helping any of the bad behavior going on in our relationship. And it's all because of this very key element here, not only control in general, but also this control because of not understanding how acceptance and behavior works. They aren't linked. And what we have a tendency to think is that if I put up with that behavior, I'm tolerating bad behavior, and therefore I shouldn't tolerate bad behavior, therefore I can't accept them. That's wrong. Well, I hate to use this example, but it's pretty common. Churches everywhere, you know, someone who's in church leadership, maybe a deacon, something, one of their children, their son's out drinking and carousing, Mm. or their daughter's into something you want, and the next thing you know, we're rejecting that person's position of service in the church because of their kids. And and most certainly, we're rejecting the the child. (laughs) Right. No, no, well, no, we've already blackballed them, and I'm just thinking— Wow, so many principles. We're back to Hosea 6, right? My Mm -hmm. people perish for lack of knowledge. You have taught us that I'm not my children and my children aren't me. That's the first principle Mm -hmm. I don't recognize when I start Mm -hmm. blackballing my children. Then I have someone who's there to serve. I'm not their judge. Judgment belongs to the Lord. Instead, I've already excommunicated their kids, and now I've impeached their ability to do the job based on their children. And Mm -hmm. it's like... Where did acceptance and behavior fall into this? That's right. Well, what we're missing is the fact that those two things do have a relationship, but they aren't linked together. For instance, God accepts me, and yet he is what? Pleased or displeased with my behavior. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm accepted. I can accept somebody and still be pleased or displeased with their behavior. But when it starts impacting whether I'm going to value them, accept them unconditionally, that's where we go wrong. So if God is setting out the model that he accepts me and he's pleased or displeased with my behavior, one of the key behaviors that he's pleased with or displeased with, what does it say in Hebrews eleven six? It is impossible to please him, what? Without Without faith. faith. Well, guess what? That doesn't change my acceptance because the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Romans eleven twenty nine. He accepts me, but he's pleased or displeased with my behavior. That is critical. Therefore, I need to take that. I have this option to choose to do that very same thing with everybody around me. That is a great way to start thinking about this from obviously God's viewpoint and how we miss that with even our children. We even sometimes reject our children because of their behavior. My level of acceptance was directly tied to and, their and, level and why, of approval. Why is this? We're going to talk about this in the future. 
Why is this? Because we are so judgmental. And when we're judgmental, we don't have to focus on our own life and our own uh, behavior. If I am rejecting you because of your behavior, I get to be judgmental and focus on you as opposed to I need to be valuing, accepting, and loving Paul for who he is, not based on his behavior. See, that's my behavior that I need to be focused on here. So this whole idea that, you know, obligation will be a crippler of your ability to be offering freedom to other people. And mixing up acceptance and behavior will be a crippler for your ability to allow others to be free and still accept them. That's absolutely crucial for us to pay attention to. So there you go. I've got it. It really is pursuing another's best, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. That unconditional word out of Ephesians 5, it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. So we are invited and we invite you. Take the stress out of your relationships by making them great. Greatrelationships.com. G-R-numeral-8-relationships.com. Pastor. What can I do about my wife constantly nagging me? It's been my experience that one of the first things you need to ask yourself is, are you following the example of the Lord and accepting your wife for who she is, even though she has this bad behavior? Give me an example of something she nags you about. She says I watch too much football. Did you watch football before you got married? Yes, but now she complains when I diagram plays on napkins when we eat out. And she can't stand when I watch the same game over and over again looking for all the minor mistakes. Any other examples? Well, she says I hang around with the same group of guys too much. And she's tired of me wearing a football shirt to work every day. Those complaints seem pretty reasonable. So what do you do for a living? I'm the head football coach for the Cowboys. Join us next week as Herman invites you to accept and still be able to correct someone with gentleness as you pursue their best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.